Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Amen, church. How are we? Good, good, good. good. Uh, Hey, awesome to be gathered with you all on a Sunday morning. Amen. Broncos don't play till 225, so y'all came to church and you're still good. Okay, like I'm not, I'm not going to acknowledge that there was a dip in attendance last week. We're just going to leave that in last week, you know? Uh, keep those 11 a.m. games away in the name of Jesus. <laughs> um, I'm just messing. Packers play at 620. I don't, okay, okay. So yeah, I was going to say, nobody, nope, somebody does care. We're good. Um, what are we doing right now? We're talking football. No. Um, I just want to kind of acknowledge, I think we, I mean, it's kind of a, maybe a little jarring, like discombobulating start of the service where, where a lot of people who have been in on this series know kind of why we're sort of stirred up. And I don't know if angsty is the right word, anxious isn't the right word, expectant, maybe just like, like, I don't know what the emotion is that's in me right now, but it's in me. Like, I'll tell you that right now. Like it's there and it's alive and well. And uh, what's happening is today's the day that our, our church family is gonna submit an offering and we're gonna give a free will offering, which means we're just gonna respond to the generosity and faithfulness of God. And we're gonna respond financially by giving back uh, an offering that is intended to and going to be used exclusively for uh, the building up and, and the restoration of this house, of this physical building that we gather in. So uh, over the last month, we've outlined the projects that we're going to do. And last week, we talked about the difference between uh, tithes and offerings. And really, we, we talked about what would compel a generous or a Christian person to be generous. And, and what we're going to do now today is we're all going to give together. And so uh, maybe you've already put your offering in the box. Um, my hope is that you haven't yet, that you're holding on to it right now. Now, uh, because we're going to do that all together at the end. And even if you already put it in there, it, it'll all still be in unity and in unison together and God will bless it. Because um, I think it's important that we do it together. It's this thing that we're as a church family going to do at the same time. We're going to celebrate the faithfulness of God together. And, and where there's a spirit of unity, God, God doesn't just uh, suggest blessing or he doesn't just hope that there's blessing. God commands his blessing where there is unity. And so um, we're going to do that at the end of service today. But I just want to kind of get you up to speed. I want to make sure I, I've given this caveat uh, every week leading up until this week. And I want to give it again today. Uh, if you're new, or if you're not just really a part of this church family yet, um, this, is, this is not really for you. You can watch and you can kind of uh, participate if you feel compelled. But just know that like, this is a message for our church family. And it's something our church family is excited about, honestly, right? And uh, it was a great just celebration of it first service. And I'm, I, I know it'll be the same thing this service as well. But just don't, I don't want anyone to feel any sense of, of like pressure um, that is for sure like outward or, or human in origin. But maybe if there's some conviction or some leading by the Holy Spirit, I, I hope just as a, as a pastor, you know, I can't, I can't not hope that you would follow that leading and that guiding from the Holy Spirit. So um, nothing that I want to stir up today. If the Lord stirs you up, the Lord stirs you up. But otherwise, I just want you to find a church home, honestly. Uh, that's my biggest prayer for all of you that maybe haven't considered this your family yet. I would just ask that you find a church home because I think it's where God will flourish you best. Um, and hopefully that's here, but maybe not. If not, if I say some things that are offensive and you don't like me, I'm cool with that. I mean, we can just, we can roll. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, good. I kind of ended last week's message on a bit of a cliffhanger that, um, that, that really one of the reasons why we as Christians give is so that we can test God. And I know for me, even just that, that phrase, I'm like, no, 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 no. Listen, like, hey, 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 like, we're cool, Lord. We're cool. I'm not, I'm not trying to put you to the test. I'm not trying to see how, how faithful you really are. Like, I don't doubt you at all, Lord. Do you know what I mean? But yet there is this reality in, in Malachi uh, 3.10 where it says, 
test me in this. God is speaking. He says, test me in this. See if I won't open up the storehouses of heaven for you. If I won't open up heaven's windows and just pour out blessing in your life. And so there is this reality for Christians that, that man, as we participate with God financially, God's desire is to bless us. It is. And I know like sometimes it's like a discomforting thing to say that God wants you to be blessed. Amen. God wants you to live a blessed life. Here's, here's what we mistakenly do when we hear that word blessed is we think that like we get to define what the blessing looks like. And we say, God, I want your blessing in the way that I've deemed it necessary for my life. We try to define what, it, what the blessing is that we need rather than letting God bless us how he wants to. And that can be a chasm of difference sometimes between those two realities of God, how, how you want to bless me and how I, th- I thought you were going to show up in this situation looks different. And I, I wanted to say, God's always going to give you what he needs, but truly he's always going to give you what he wants to give you. And sometimes that goes far beyond what we need. I think we're all sitting, sitting here in some sense in the country we're living in, acknowledging the reality that God has blessed us beyond what we actually need to survive. And so God has blessed us. God has poured out for us. And sometimes that can make us a bit unsettled, a bit unnerved. But, but Jesus himself says this in Matthew chapter six. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where, when you have treasures on earth, earth, there is moth and there is rust that destroy and thieves can break in and steal. What he's speaking to, Jesus is, is speaking into the, vol- the volatility of investing in this world, of placing your treasure on earthly things. It's fragile. It's fickle. You, you can't depend on it. Everyone ever felt, anyone ever felt anxious about a stock's performance before? We're just like, oh, if that goes away, ah, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be tough to stomach. Uh, uh, Even the housing market can be volatile. Our jobs can be volatile. Like nothing on in this world is certain. And even the things that we've bought that we feel really good about, like that brand new car that's so dependable and reliable is just waiting to fill up a landfill someday. It's all degrading. It's all going away. It's all uh, uh, expiring, if you will. But Jesus offers us an alternative. He says, instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, Sir Francis Bacon has an amazing name. First of all, can we just acknowledge that? And he has this great quote that says, money makes a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. Think about that. That, that money, when it's, when it's just doing what you tell it to do, reveals that it does not hold any grip over your heart. And it is not your master. My heart does not lie in this world. My heart, best as I can let it, lies. My allegiance lies to heaven. Where your treasure is. What, what's great about money is it's this great uh, external indicator about where your heart truly lies. And if I'm investing wholly in this world, it reveals that I probably have a gap in my faith for investing wholly in heaven. I just, I have to believe that if we understood this verse and if we believed it deep down in our guts, we would spend very little on ourselves. We wouldn't upgrade our cars. We wouldn't upgrade our houses. We would just do bare minimum to get by so that we could be as generous as possible to just lay up as many treasures in heaven as we possibly can. And here's what, here's a profound thought that I had this week is that, um, Man, I think when we think about treasures in heaven, we think about guys like Billy Graham. Billy Graham, like think about the throne he's going to sit on and the house he's going to have or the gold he's going to, you know, like all this amazing stuff that he's going to have in heaven because he was just that awesome. You know what's going to fill up uh, heaven's treasure vault? is a bunch of people that I think you and I don't even know. You thought about that? 
like Marcel Destiné, I think of him all the time when I think of this, that, that he lives down in Haiti and he pastors pastors and he's leading all these people and he just has this relentless hope for the nation of Haiti. Even when the people don't have any hope for themselves, he has hope for what Haiti could look like. And I just like, listen, I know, I know the last will be first and the first will be last. I'm gonna be way behind that guy in line when it comes to time to go into heaven. I'm gonna be looking at his crown and be like, dude, that is insane. So like, we know about this concept that there are treasures that can be ours in heaven. That the way that we live this life, the way that we use our faith and we steward our giftedness here on earth will impact how we spend eternity. It doesn't impact if we're going to go to heaven. The only question that can dictate that is what did you do with Jesus, the Lord? And how did you respond to him? But once you've made that response to him that he is Lord and savior of your life, now what we get to do is we get to steward everything that he's given to us. And that's gonna impact how we spend eternity. This idea of this concept, treasures in heaven is, is profound. And I just don't think we get it totally. And the reason we don't get it is because we do. We have a gap in our faith about uh, the needs that I have now the food that I got to put on the table, uh, the, the things I got to take care of for my kids and my family and my house and my car, and I got to get around and I got to have some things while I'm here versus this idea of just investing myself wholly into the kingdom. And, and that gap is really, it's, it's a faith gap. Like if I believe this verse hundred percent, like I, I, you know what I mean? We would just give everything away. We'd give everything away. But because we, we, we live in this kind of already not yet, this in-between where there is tension and there is friction and there's frustration and there is the reality of our need while we're here on earth, we, kinda, we've, we feel like, okay, well, I got to at least invest in some sense of comfort while I'm here. But it just reveals that we're missing some faith to get there. And so what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about faith because uh, the thing that dominated Katie and I's conversation as we were preparing to, to submit our offering, as we were praying over what we should give, talking about what we should give, the one thing that we just continually came back to is uh, we want to give in faith. I want to give in faith today. Uh, and faith means I'm going to step into some discomfort. I'm going to lean past my own ability just a little bit. I'm going to give a bit that just goes, that, that stretches us some. Because we, wanna, we don't want to just give either out of this like kind of burden, like, well, you know, we're the leaders of the church. So if, if we're not doing something and they're not following after us, like they're not going to follow after us if we don't lead by example. Like, I, I don't want that just to be my mentality. I want to give with like, faith has expectancy attached to it. You know what I mean? Faith has like, God, no, God's going to use this. This is going to go further than I can imagine. And so I, I want to give with faith today. If you're sitting in this room and you have, hopefully you've processed with your wife, I think, or your husband or husband or wife, <laughs> depending. Um, but I hope that you've prepared with them. I think this is a cool moment that you can work together and show unity in your household. Um, and if you're just preparing an offering on your own, uh, praise God, like I, I'm trusting that God's gonna speak to you. And I think our only right response is that of faith. Is that of faith? You can't earn God's attention. You can't earn his affection in any other way then with faith, then with faith. So what, so what is faith? I think that's the kind of the question we go to. And, and Hebrews chapter 11 is where we see the most clear answer for that. So flip open, if you have your Bible, to Hebrews chapter 11. And um, I want to read just the first couple passages out of Hebrews 11. It's verse one and two. It's, he, the author defines it for us right on the, on the front end. He says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. So, so faith in and of itself uh, requires this hope for the future, requires hope for the future, that we have to have this sort of discontentment or disenfranchisement with the now. So faith sits here and it, it acknowledges some problems or some frustrations we have now while simultaneously going, but I have an assurance of a hope that I do not see yet. That like, okay, single people in the room, um, you have faith someday that you will get married. Amen? 
Yeah, okay. So, so yeah, I mean, sure, you know, not as strong a response as I maybe thought, but okay. Um, it means that you have this hope for, this expectation that, that that will be something that's better than where you're at right now. You kind of have this idea that like, man, okay, I want to be there someday. And so that's something that's driving you forward. Faith is, it's the, it's the conviction of things not seen, which means it's not a reality that I currently live in, that I currently dwell in, but it's something that I hope for. And so faith is always longing for this future state. Uh, it's beautiful to me that faith starts with a sense of discontentment. I loved what Hannah shared uh, at the end of that song where she just said, do you remember that moment, that first moment uh, where you're reminded of just like your first love for Jesus, that first exposure to the gospel and kind of took us back there for a second. And she kind of challenged some of you that, that you haven't experienced that yet. You haven't had that moment yet where you've sort of stepped out of the boat like Peter and put both feet on the water to see if God's really there. And you haven't really surrendered. You haven't yielded to him yet. And I just want to encourage you and remind you, faith starts with this sense of dissatisfaction with the life that you're living right now. And that's why it's such a beautiful opportunity to share faith with people this moment, because the world's so obviously broken that we're living in. And there's so much chaos. There's so much things to be frustrated about that we could just say, man, couldn't it be better? And we get to deposit just this little piece of hope. Do you know somebody that could make it better? I know this person who has changed my life. He's changed some of those patterns that I see in you. He's changed some of these things. He's, he's, he's put new life into me. And we can deposit, deposit little pieces of faith for the future. Faith doesn't just, uh, just have this hope for the future. It also operates in the right now. It also operates in the present. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, I would encourage you to do it. It's just all these legendary Old Testament figures at first. And it's talking about Abraham and Moses and how these guys had this huge faith that caused them to do something right now. Like Abraham, God was like, hey, let's go. And Abraham was like, all right, let's go to a land that I'll show you. How, like how many of you parents in the room, how many of that work for your kids in the back seat? <laughs> kids hop in, we're gonna go. Where are we going? I'll show you. They're like, nah, man, like what, where are we going? How long is it gonna be? When are we there? Are we there yet? What are we gonna do? When we and I'm just like, oh my gosh, just trust me for a moment, you know? Like when have I ever taken you somewhere awful? All right, never mind. <laughs> Abraham was just called. God was like, hey, I'm going to take, take you to a land that I will show you. He didn't even have the full picture yet, but his faith caused him to move. His faith caused him to go. Moses had all these other things that were operating around him that, that disqualified him, really. But his faith, his faith called him to quit doubting his own insufficiency and to trust in the sufficiency of God. Yahweh, who was calling him, who was placing him, who was strategically going to move him and all of his people out of the land of Egypt. There's the, like faith causes action. If we could have, if we could have James, uh, the half brother of Jesus, and if we could have Paul and they kind of duke it out, right? Between the book of James, and the book of Romans. And Paul's like, no, listen, you are saved by grace alone, grace alone through faith alone. And, and James is like, listen, if your faith doesn't produce works, then your faith isn't saving faith. It's dead faith and it can't save you. And they kind of like, it almost feels like they disagree, but really all that James is trying to point out is that, man, if your faith doesn't generate something in you that causes you to respond to the goodness of God in your own life, then it hasn't actually been saving faith that you've encountered. And so faith responds, faith does. And I just think about how today, what's, well, how I hope marks this offering is, is faith that above all else is just a response to the goodness that you already perceive that God has poured out in your life. I, I don't want to stir you up for something that is like just this um, crazy idea. I, I want you more than anything to go like, wow, God, yeah, you were, you were there then. And, and then you did that. And then you showed up in that situation and then you poured out here 
And then I, I wandered away from you for a little bit there, but then you kept pursuing me. And I want you to respond to that faithfulness of God. And it's just this action that we do, be, not because we're being forced to, not because we're being manipulated into it, but because we just go, okay, God, uh, you've showed up before. You're going to show up again. I trust you. And our faith acts in the present. So it's, it's hopeful for the future. It acts in the present. But then also check this last couple of verses out in Hebrews. The author concludes kind of this, this hall of faith section. And he says, and all these, all these people, all these legendary people, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So there's two things uh, in this verse that I noticed. First of all, they're not all like legendary characters. I didn't, I didn't read this first service because uh, it's almost, it's kind of like frustrating. But if you read in Hebrews chapter 11, 32, if you have your Bible, you can kind of flip to it, but I'm just going to read it. Um, he says, and what more shall I say after he's kind of described all these hallmark figures for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, their faith did some awesome stuff. Like, that's amazing. You're kind of all fired up. And then it says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep, sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Doesn't sound like a lot of prosperity there. And all these, all of them, every single one of them that was listed, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So here's, here's what I just want to acknowledge in the room is that, is that sometimes we have these promises of God that we're just clinging to and we're just trusting in it, that, that he's going he's gonna to restore my marriage. He, he's going he's gonna to bring her back. He's going to heal that person that I've been praying for. He's going to do these things. I'm just clinging to this promise of God. And sometimes in this life, we don't receive what's promised. But God has always made a way for everlasting and eternal life where the sad things that we've experienced here on this earth are going to be undone and untrue. And he's not just like waiting for that to happen, but while you're crying, while you're lamenting, while you're in just agony and pain, he's keeping track of every single tear that's ever came out of your, out of your eyes. I almost said you're out of your mouth, <laughs> out of your eyes. And he's bottling that. And he's saying, I won't forget you. You're not far from me. I'm close. I'm near. I want to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding in this moment of pain. God has prepared this place for us called heaven, that one day we're going to step into it and for forever, we're going to experience his goodness and mercy in just this pure, unfiltered way. And it's going to be glorious. He also says something here that kind of piques my curiosity. He says, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, the current generation of Christians, they should not be made perfect. Here's what the author of Hebrews is trying to communicate is that God is a God of faithfulness throughout generations, that there is no bit of faith that is inherited in this season that is detached from the previous generation. He's going back through all of these Old Testament figures and saying, hey, and all of their faith, uh, they didn't get to receive what was promised. And now you get to build on what they started. You get to carry on the legacy of what they, what they breathed in. 
And so here's, here's what I want to say to you. Some of you may not receive the promise in this life, but maybe your kids will. Maybe you'll have spiritual kids who will. Uh, as we do this today, I, I'm, I'm not so much as interested in what the number is going to be next week. I'm going to be interested in what it does to this church in 40 years. Can you, do you have the apple? Yes, my man. I really trust myself to catch that. You know what I mean? Um, we've been using this quote uh, in the little pre-roll video. We're going to show you the end of it here in just a minute. And uh, it says that anyone can count the seeds in an apple. I could slice this thing right open and we could, we could count them together. We could see how many apples. Apples, uh, generally speaking, have between five and 13 seeds in them, typically. Just a fun fact. Um, we can count them. Uh, but only God will ever know the apples that come out of every seed. So if we took a seed, if you took something that you received today um, and, and you take it, you, and you, instead of using it on yourself, instead of uh, trying to get, 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 or trying to continue to work in this world's economy, but if you take it out of this world's economy and you sow it into heaven's economy and you in faith bury that seed back into the ground, then only God knows what's gonna happen with that seed. And in, my, in, in our offering today, what we're praying for is, is that 40 years from now, the effects of our act of faith will be felt. That even though we're going to plant a seed in the ground today, that maybe one day it'll look like an orchard. Do you see what I'm saying? There's, there's this, I just, I wish that we could get this grand picture of all the impact that this church was going to have over the next 40 years. Because we, we wouldn't be able to count it. We wouldn't be able to measure it. Even, even just sitting at, at Kent's retirement party um, a couple weeks back, 40 years of service. If you don't know Kent Hummel, he was the, he was the pastor here for 35 years, I think, is when he was the lead pastor. And, and he just, he sowed so faithfully into our church body that it, as I stepped in January of 2020 and everyone's like, you know, John and I were at a pastor's conference down in the Springs and I'm sitting at this table of pastors and I'm like, yeah, I started lead pastor January 2020. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, like how, how did you even survive? How are you doing? And I'm like, honestly, the church is thriving. The church is alive and well. Like there's, there's, we have the older generation and they're offering their wisdom still. And we have the younger generation and they're bringing their zeal. And we have just a beautiful blend of all these people coming and they're pouring in and they're just hungry for the heart of God. And it's incredible. And it's all because of the faithfulness sown in the last generation. Can we just acknowledge that? There's nothing, yeah. There's nothing that we're walking on today that wasn't the foundation that was built before us. I think I was five or six years old when, when the people of this church were, were sacrificing and were giving and were, were digging deep to pay this building off. I wasn't a part of that at all. But yet I got to sit in here and, and come on in along with all of you and we got to inherit a building that was paid for. That's amazing. That's amazing. There, there is a maturity that's so deep in this congregation that during all the strife of 2020, we just didn't feel it as much. Because there's this maturity, there's this love for one another, this love for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, people are always like, man, you're just preaching God's word. And I'm like, well, what, first of all, like what other move do we have other than preaching God's word? Amen. <laughs> but there's just this hunger for the word of God. There's this desire, this craving for the spirit of God. All of that was cultivated and sown into this place over generations that I was not a part of, but now I get to enjoy the fruit. And so the question for, that I got to ask myself is like, okay, so what are we going to do? The, the easy thing to do would be just to coast. Just kind of do things as we've been doing them and just go, okay, God, what do you want to do? Just keep doing what you want to do. But what I want to do is I want to take that inheritance that was given to me and I want to put it back into the ground. And I want to bury it in faith going, God, if you did that much in Kent's ministry over that 40 years through Good Shepherd over the last 40 some years, how much more are you going to do in the next 40? And so I, I want to give in expectation that God's going to continue to move in the next generation, even in more powerful ways than he moved in the last.
because God's a God of the generation, of the generations. He, he sees far broader than we ever will. Um, it says in Proverbs 13, 22, that a wise man, uh, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And I think we often think about that in terms of finances. And I don't, I don't think that's wrong. I think it certainly fits what that verse is trying to say. But I hope what I pass off to my kids is, is even more than just money. I hope, I hope I pass off to my kids um, a sense of generosity, a heart that loves the Lord. I hope I pass off to them uh, some of my, I can show them some of my scars where I was wounded before and I got healed up along the way. And I said, this is how God changed my life. This is how he captured me when I was in the middle of acting like a, an idiot, pardon my French, right? And I hope I can pass off to them something that was given to me that makes a difference, not just for my kids, but for my kids' kids that I haven't even met yet. Psalm 102, 18 kind of captures this thought even better. Um, he, the psalmist is, is agonizing in Psalm 102. He's just going like, man, Israel, we've just, we've missed it. Israel's just, we so missed the mark. We've done all these things wrong. We've missed in so many different ways. And he says, let it be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That's what we're after today. That's, we're, we're doing this for the people who aren't even born yet. I want to sow back into this church for the people who aren't even, we don't even know who they are yet. Don't even know their names yet. Amen. Some of you are not going to receive the promise that God has, that God has laid out there until you get to glory. You will receive it, but it might not get the breakthrough that you want right now. Maybe though, maybe today could be a day where you look at your family's lineage and you look at your family's history and you say, no, today is the day that we're going to break that. Today, the spirit of God is going to come and he's going to disrupt that, that selfishness that's led to the debt that my family's put themselves in over the years. Maybe today's going to be the day where we just lay passivity uh, behind us and we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to put our family in this position where we're going to go, no, zeal for our father's house will consume us. I'm going to be passionate about church. I'm going to be passionate about what happens here. I'm going to show up. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm participating whatever is going on here. Maybe today is the day that you just disrupt some generational pattern that's existed long before you and you get to say, no, no, no. In faith, that stops today. Maybe. Maybe today we'll just be able to sow in faith. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple but only God can count the apples in the seed. The story of Good Shepherd includes many people, but really it's the Lord's story. In June of 1978, Good Shepherd started meeting in Loveland High School. Then in June of 79, on 13 acres, ground was broken, time was given, and the building began to take shape. From the beginning, Good Shepherd Church was formed in large part by our heart for missions. Despite some of the challenges of those early years, and of course there were challenges, even in the midst of leadership changes, the Lord was clear that Good Shepherd was His church and it was here to stay. As the Lord would have it, an initial two-year commitment turned into 41. Over the course of those many years, families came, ministries were started, and generations took root. Staying at Good Shepherd, although at times not easy, was a calling that could not go unanswered. 
We needed to sow a field on which the next generation could build a church that would be here to stay. A mark of Good Shepherd has always been a deep grounding in God's Word. Every week, as people have come in and out of these doors, hearts have been tended to and seeds have been scattered throughout the world. On any given day, marriages are blessed, losses are mourned, and new life is celebrated. From the Christmas programs, to serving our city, mission trips abroad, to faithful friends, our church has experienced it all. This plan and purpose, although executed by imperfect people, has been grounded in God's Word and His vision for Good Shepherd. It's been worth investing in. It's clear that the Lord's story for Good Shepherd through the years has been one that is here to stay. It's a true act of faith to sow a seed to release something from your hand, to let it go, and to wait. It might be months before any signs of life or fruit appear, but after years, it just might produce a harvest a hundred times the size of the first seed. Right now we're experiencing a sweet harvest that we did not plant. But like an apple, a harvest doesn't happen overnight. Years of faithful cultivation, a legacy of generous living, all leading to fruit sown in another time. Which all begs the question, what do we do with the fruit? The temptation is to enjoy it while we have it, to sit back and relax and reap the benefits of the hard work. But that's not what the Lord has planned for his people. We're called to give what we have received, to let it go, Stewardship really is that simple. It's the act of returning a blessing that has been extended, offering back what God has placed in our hand. An open hand removes the urgency of harvest from right now. Instead, it's simply a beginning. Who knows what God could produce with such a small act of faith? After all, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. incredible. Um, if you don't know, that was it's Glenn Brown, our founding pastor's voice, Kent's voice, my voice. That was my daughter's voice at the end. So it was pretty emotional to watch that first service for the first time. But um, I, I want us to take a moment now and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna offer to the Lord. We're going to give a free will offering. And so um, if you've prepared something, I think now is kind of the time where you can get it out. And uh, what we're going to do is I want, I want you to just to pray with who you came with uh, first. Um, and then we'll, we're going to just have the band play and we're going to sing a worship song together. We're going to sing How Great Is Our God. And uh, you might be thinking, well, okay, like we haven't counted it yet, you know. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter if there's $10 in that thing. Um, our God is already great. Amen. He's already done. He's already moved. He's already... He, he already knows what's going to happen. And so uh, we're just going to, we're going to give and respond as you're, as you're praying um, with whoever you came with today over what you're going to give today. And um, I just would ask that you kind of pray on three different 
complaints, that you would pray with an expectancy for the future, um, that, that God wouldn't just have you give out of like painful sacrifice, but he'd actually have you sow with, with hope and with joy and with expectancy. Um, I'd also ask that you would pray um, just for, for God to continue to give you vision and give our church vision for what we're to do in the here and now, in the present. Uh, there's plenty of ministry that we could participate in. There's plenty of things that our church can continue to do. Um, and and even, if, even if $10 million comes in that thing, but our faith doesn't increase at all, then we've missed it. Do you believe that? I, I, I hope that our faith would swell from this moment. That this would be kind of a line in the sand moment where it's like, man, no, our, our church just, there was a, a zeal and, and a, a passion for the spiritual things of God that just came alive in us as a result of this. So pray for the present. That there'd be that kind of awakening in your heart. And then I want you to also just, I want you to pray and give a, give a thankfulness towards the past generation with, with the hope and desire that God will continue to influence the generations. And, and pray and ask God that he'd give you even just a picture of, of what this might look like in 40 years. Because I think if we could grasp that, I think if we could grasp some sense of the spiritual fruitfulness that could come from here, um, I think it would change things in our hearts.